G'day again, everyone. Uh, what I'm about to say as I start might uh, lower some people's views of me, that is, people who think I'm reasonably cultured or highbrow. Uh, having said, it might lift some other people's views of me. Uh, what I'm going to share is this. I love zombie movies. I love zombie TV shows. I love all those sort of shows. I love any of those post-apocalyptic shows where the world has ended and, uh, and people have to work out how to live in a dangerous new world where there's no law and order. Uh, I would be hopeless. You know. It, you know, I wouldn't know one end of a gun from another. I, I, you know, I, Victoria and I, uh, I say, our house would be terrible. It's got too much glass around. We wouldn't survive the, the apocalypse. But, you know, uh, but what I love about these shows, the reason I enjoy them, I'm not encouraging you to watch them, by the way. Don't, don't go home and say, Phil said I should watch this. No, no. Uh, I love them. One of the things I love about them is the way they always focus in on how people react when there is no law. How people react when there's no consequences for doing bad things. What do you do then? Even more than that, uh, what do you do when there are no consequences for doing the good thing and in fact you'd be better off doing the selfish thing? See, that, that's, what, that's the premise of all these shows. Will you keep trying to be good when there's no reward for it? Uh, what will stop you being bad when there's no consequences for it? Now, why do I share that today? It's because in many ways, that is the question of today's passage. So come with me in, into Romans 6. Uh, please have it open in front. Put your hand up and Rick will get you one. He's down there near the back table if you need it so you can follow along. But you see, the first five chapters of Romans, we have seen really clearly that we are saved, how? By Grace. We are saying it is a free gift of God. Nothing we do can make us right with God. What do we do to deal with our sin? That's right. You answered correctly. We don't deal with our sin at all. Nothing. We just accept God's gift of forgiveness. We accept God's gift of righteousness. How? By trusting in Jesus through faith. We are saved by grace through faith. That has been the message of Romans 1 to 5. It's been drummed into us for the last however many weeks here at church and in gospel teams. And that is wonderful. And that is the most incredible news ever. As I keep saying, this book of Romans is the greatest book ever written. But that truth that our salvation is a free gift and it's received only through faith, not by works, that actually raises a massive question if you think about it. See, if I can have total assurance of my salvation just by trusting in Jesus, then why bother trying to live a godly life? If I can have total assurance that I have a, a place in God's kingdom, why not just keep sinning? You know, why do any good things? Why come to church? Why, why be generous? Uh, why not just go out and be selfish and gossip and, and lie and get drunk? If Jesus loves me anyway, why bother? I hope you see the issue. And that is the question of chapter 6, verse 1. Look with me. It says, what should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Now, that might not be how you'd phrase the question, but I hope you see the issue. If I am saved by grace, why not just keep sinning? What does it matter how I live? Now, that question comes in all sorts of different forms. Here, the question in verse 1 is, I think Paul sort of posing the sarcastic opposition he was getting from many of the first Jewish Christians. So they kept saying to Paul, stop talking about grace and faith all the time, teach a bit of law. 
They keep saying, no one's going to do the right thing if you don't make laws and, and, and consequences. Stop. Why will anyone bother being godly if you just tell them all they've got to do is trust in Jesus? And by the Christians still ask that same question. When the Reformation happened, that is what the Roman Catholic Church said to Martin Luther and to John Calvin and those great ones of the faith. They say, if you keep telling people we're saved by grace through faith, people will just keep sinning. You've got to give them laws. Won't, otherwise, people won't stay in check. The question comes another way, though, from many modern Christians, actually from the other side. Sadly, many modern Christians, or people who call themselves Christians, perhaps I should say, uh, they've heard at some point that Jesus died for them. They've heard at some point, God is love, or some other statement like that. They've, they've prayed a prayer at some point where they've expressed their faith in Jesus. And now they think, well, I'll live however I want. Doesn't matter, I've got my, my free ticket into heaven, you know, like Charlie in the Chocolate Factory sort of thing. I've, I've got my free ticket. Now I'll see you later. I'll see you when, when I die. Now, most of us are not that brazen. Most of us don't ask the question like that. But I think we all think this way at some point. It's perhaps when we're tempted by some sin or another, we know it's wrong. We know Jesus would hate it. But we think to ourselves, well, Jesus died for me. I'm, I'm forgiven anyway. What does it matter? Whatever form the question gets asked in, that is the issue of today's passage. If I am saved by grace, then what does it matter how I live? Why not keep sinning? Or to put it the other way, if I don't need to do good works to be saved, then why bother doing them at all? Now, before we get to the answer, there's something really, really important to see about this. And this is the thing. It, it is a great thing when people ask this question. It's a great thing when people ask this question. See, having preached on Romans 1 to 5 for the last however many weeks, if I didn't get one person raising this question with me, I would be really worried that I've not taught grace clearly enough. See, because if you don't ask this question, or at least if you don't see why someone might ask this question, you haven't understood the gospel. See, this question is a natural question to ask when you grasp the gospel. If, if you don't see why someone would ask this question, go home, go onto the website and start at Romans chapter 1, verse 1 again. And just keep listening until you understand why someone would ask this question. You need to go back to the beginning. Because when people ask this question, it shows they've grasped the gospel in some sense. Because you see, you don't ask this question if you think Christianity is about being a good person. You don't ask this question if you think you earn your righteousness with God, if you think you can do good works that will impress God. You don't ask this question if you think you trusting in Jesus can then be a good person and be okay with God. But if you have grasped the gospel, if you've understood what we've seen for the last however many weeks, that, that, that we are sinners who can never be good enough for God. If you understand all we deserve is God's wrath and condemnation. If you understand Jesus has died for your sins and that he gives you the gift of righteousness when you trust in him. When you understand that, you see this is a real life question. If I'm saved by grace, what does it matter how I live? Why not just keep sinning? So what is the answer? Well, the answer is really quite simple. If we're saved by grace, should we keep sinning? Look at verse 2. Absolutely not. Can you be any clearer? See, this might be a real question, but it doesn't make it a good question. Uh, Paul's answer is, of course not. Of course, of course you don't keep sinning. Of course you try to live a godly life for Jesus. And why? The answer is there in the rest of verse 2. Look there. It says, how can we 
who died to sin still live in it. That is the key point of this whole passage. We're going to spend some time exploring now. Why do we not keep sinning? It's because you have died to sin. So what does that mean? This is verses 1 to 11. You are dead to sin. What does it mean that I'm dead to sin? I I think I'm very much alive. Uh, I am the Phil Colgan who was born in the 70s. And as far as I'm aware, my heart has not stopped beating in, in all of that time. I don't think somehow I missed my death. You know the famous quote from Mark Twain where he heard that people had said he died and he sent a telegram back to his family and he said, the reports of my death are greatly exaggerated. You know, what does he mean? Well, come with me because this seems complex. You know, I might have thought as Gil read it, this seems really complicated. But I actually think these verses are wonderfully simple because what he does is he just says the same thing over and over again with a little tweak so that you understand what he's saying, so you get it. And it's a beautiful, simple point. You see, the point is, we are born sinners. That was last week's passage with Troy. We are born into a body of sin. We are sinners because we are children of Adam. Do you remember? The the first sinner. But we're also sinners because from the moment you can think, we think about sin. From the moment I could think, I chose to sin. Sin is just our natural state. But then when you became a Christian, something amazing happened. You were crucified with Jesus. You thought you were just making a decision to trust Jesus. But at that moment, you died with Jesus. The old sinful self died. You were nailed to that cross. That Phil that was a child of Adam, that Phil who was a slave to sin, he died. And a new person was born that day. That's why we talk about being a born-again Christian. Sometimes people think that's just for the the guys on early morning television. Every Christian is born again. If you're not born again, you're not a Christian because when you become a Christian, you start a new life. And that new life, that new person is not a slave to sin anymore. The new person is now a slave to Jesus. So now have that in mind. If you look at our verses, you'll see how he says it in slightly different ways over and over again. Look at verse 3. He says, or are you unaware that all of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? Therefore, we were buried with Jesus. We were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in a new way of life. So when you became a Christian, that's what it means when you were baptised. That's symbolically when you became a Christian, you became linked to Jesus And whatever happened to Jesus happened to you. So when Jesus died, you died. And when Jesus rose from the dead, you were given a new life too. Because you are now linked to Jesus. I remember when I went to Kenya to teach over there a few years ago. Some of you may remember uh, me going to do that. They had a tradition where, amongst the people there, when someone became a Christian, when someone was baptised, they were given a new name. They took a new name. And they didn't just take it in some little sense on that day and they totally expunged, they totally crossed out the old name and they got a new name. Usually it was a great Old Testament Bible name. So John became Jehoshaphat, you know, or Sarah became Miriam or Deborah. I think it's a wonderful way they'd come up with to symbolise this reality. They understood this. Verse 6, I think, captures the essence of the point. Look with me. It says, for we know that our old self was crucified with him, Jesus, in order that sin's dominion over the body may be abolished, so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin, since a person who has died is freed from sin's claims. See, if you've broken the law, 
You can go to jail to be freed from the claims or you can die. If you die, what can they do to you about breaking the law? Absolutely nothing. Well, that is the point. Sin has no hold over you because that person who was a slave to sin, dead now. You see, we've seen how already in Romans, how Jesus' death is for us. How we deserve to die for our sin, but Jesus dies in our place. He dies to take the penalty we deserve. Jesus is our substitute. And so this is saying here, if we trust in Jesus, God says that old sinful fill, that old sinful don, that old sinful gill, they're dead. They died with Jesus. More than that, if you trust in Jesus, you are raised to life with Jesus, a new person. Look at verse 8. It says, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We often think of the resurrection as in the future, don't we? I mean, that is the Christian hope. I'm amazed how many Christians don't understand their hope. Many Christians, when you say, what are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to going to heaven. That's, That's not the way to talk about it. The Christian hope is that we will be raised again, that we will be a new person. When Christ returns, we'll be raised to live forever with him. And that is in the future. We look forward to that day, but in one sense, that new person has already been born. Yes, you are waiting for a new body that'll be much better than this one. You are waiting for all the effects of sin to be wiped away, to be gone. And that, yes, that won't happen until Christ returns. But even so, in a wonderful sense, your new life has already begun because you are a new person connected to Jesus through faith. You died with Jesus, you're now a new person and this new person is a slave of Jesus, not a slave of sin anymore. Now, understand this, that does not mean that you will not still struggle with sin. If you look down at verse 12, see how it says there we're still in this mortal body for a little while longer? It is still a battle for us. Every day we will continue to struggle and sometimes fail with sin. And that struggle, I'm sorry to to tell you this, that struggle is the Christian life every day. Every day, until you die or until Christ returns. And we're going to come back to that battle in a moment. But the point he's making here is wonderful. Sin no longer defines you. Sin no longer defines you. When you sin, that is not who you really are anymore. See, before you became a Christian, when you sinned, that was just you being you. But when you sin now, that's not who you are. You are no longer a slave to sin. Sin is not your master. Which means for a Christian to just deliberately decide, I'm going to go on sinning. For a Christian to say, oh, great, Jesus died for me. Let's keep sinning. For a Christian to have no desire to want to live to glorify Jesus, that would actually be to deny the very nature of what we believe. To to actually say, great, I'm saved by grace. Get out of my way while I go and do whatever I want is to actually deny that you've become a Christian. To actually say, I don't know Jesus. I'm not connected to him. See, if you want to keep on sinning and you don't have a desire to live for God, that suggests you may not have come to know Jesus. That is the reality. So I said back at the start, every Christian should understand why you might ask this question. I said, yes, every Christian might might understand it. Can I just go on sinning if I'm saved by grace? It's a logical question. But at the same time, every Christian who truly knows Jesus very quickly says, well, that might be a logical question, but it's a really stupid question. Every Christian says with the Apostle Paul, of course not. 
Because to be a Christian is to know that you are a new person. You are a new person who has died with Jesus and has been born again with him. Yes, we will all struggle. Yes, we will even fall and fail, sometimes in massive ways. But the essence of being a Christian is to be a person who now lives for Jesus. That is the main point of today's passage. So I hope you've got that. Be who you truly are. Don't be that old person you were before you came to know Jesus. Be the new person Jesus has raised you to be. But as I've said over and over again, we may have died to sin, but we're still in this mortal body. We'll still struggle with sin. That's our reality until Christ returns. So how do we live this new life? How do we live for Jesus even as we struggle with sin? Well, that is the next few chapters of Romans, but Paul gives us two keys in these last four verses of today's passage. Come with me. And the first key is this, it's verse 11. Remind yourself every day of who you really are. Look at verse 11. It says, so you two consider yourselves, think about yourselves, understand yourselves, consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. See, here is the problem. Our mortal body is very real to us, isn't it? Because it's here. You, you can touch it. You, you, it. It has consequences when, when you do things. And more than that, the normality of sin is very real to us, isn't it? We are very used to sinning, aren't we? Who finds sinning hard? Anyone who raised their hand would, would actually be sinning at that point because you'd be lying or not understanding. It, it comes easily to us. It, it is the path of least resistance. And, and so it's easy to just think, that's who I am, so I'll live like that. And I meet Christians who are like this. They, they understand we're sinners. They go, I'm a sinner, Phil. Nothing I can do about it. See, and then on the other hand, sadly, the spiritual reality of who you actually are in Christ that seems very distant, doesn't it? Especially as you live in the nitty gritty of life and you're worried about paying the mortgage and you're worried about paying the bills and you go to work and you deal with people. It seems all very distant. So because of that, we need to remind ourselves every day of the true reality. We need to remind ourselves every day of the spiritual reality. Remind ourselves every day of who we really are. You see... That is not me anymore, we need to say to ourselves. No, that is not me anymore. I am a new person in Christ. No, I'm not a slave to sin any longer. That is not me. I'm alive in Jesus. Get that into your mind. Understand yourself correctly and then our lives follow. See, this might sound a bit silly, but why not get up every morning, look at yourself in the mirror, admire yourself at that point. What did look at yourself in the mirror and say to yourself, I am a new person in Christ. I am a new person in Christ. Before you get out into the world, before you get out there where you just normalise sin again and just say, yeah, it's normal, remind yourself, no, 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 no. I am a new person in Christ and so I'm going to live like it today. This is why fellowship is so important. See, as we live in the world, we forget who we are. As you, as you just go and live in the world, we revert to thinking of ourselves as we used to be because it's just normal in the world. We normalise living as a slave to sin. That's why meeting together, for the first Christians, it was every day. 
That is why meeting together is so important because every time we meet together, we remind ourselves this is reality. Not out there. This is reality. This is who I am. Consider yourself dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Remind yourself constantly that is who I really am. Secondly, lastly, we need to fight the fight. This is verses 12 to 14. See, too many Christians, I think, don't understand that the Christian life is meant to be hard. The Christian life is a constant battle and that battle will not end until Christ returns. We need to own that. And and as we go out every day, we need to say, I'm in a fight. I'm fighting the fight. Look from verse 12. He says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. Don't let it. And do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness. But as those who are alive from the dead, offer ourselves to God and offer all the parts of yourselves to God as weapons for righteousness. For sin will not rule over you because you are not under law, but under grace. See, the picture is that sin is like our old master. He once controlled us in every sense, but we died and we were carried out of his stronghold. And now we've been given a new life. And now we fight for our new master, righteousness, but the battle is on. Our old master still wants us and he finds it very, very easy to to lure us back in. And so in that battle, we will face choices all the time. And it's as we face choices that we fight the battle. See, how am I going to use the parts of my body? I don't think he just means our hands and our feet and our nose and our our ears and our eyes at, at that point. He means how will you use every part of who you are? Yes, your hands and feet and tongue, but also your personality, your mind, your will. And it's not just don't use them to sin. Do you see it there? It's also the positive. You choose to use them for righteousness. So you see, will I use my mouth to speak gossip? Will I use my mouth? It's a choice. Will I use my mouth to speak gossip? Will I use my mouth to speak lies or even just to pull people down? Or will I use my mouth to speak words of grace, to speak words of encouragement, to build people up? Will I use my hands to build treasures here on earth? Or will I use them to serve other people? Will I use my mind to nurse bitterness, to nurse envy? Or will I use it to think about how I can glorify God and how I can love other people? I could just go on and on. And in fact, in a couple of weeks, we're going to pause in Romans. We're going to pause at the end of chapter 6. We're going to come back to it later. Don't worry. We're going to pause at the end of chapter 6. We're just going to take a few weeks to actually apply Romans chapter 6. I'm calling, I'm calling the series Respectable Sins and Neglected Virtues. Because I want to actually spend a few weeks thinking about how do we fight this battle. And in particular, I'm going to focus on areas that I think nearly every modern Christian struggles with. Things like how we use our tongue, how we speak. Things like our greed, things like our anger, things like our critical spirit, our judgmentalness. See, that's why we'll pause in Romans. But here now, the point is, fight the fight. Be in the battle. Don't just go out there and and submit to sin. Fight the fight to put off sin and live for righteousness. But never forget why you do that. You do not put off sin and put on righteousness to earn your salvation. Jesus has done that. 
That's why verse 14 is there. Look at verse 14. That's why he says, we fight as people who are under grace, not law. So you don't fight to free yourself from sin. You're not trying to obey laws to earn your salvation. We fight because Jesus has already saved us. So now we want to live for him. I hope you see that. As we close, I want us to be realistic. This battle is the Christian life every day. The very fact these verses are here reminds us we are not going to be perfect until Christ returns. You need to fight this battle every day. And that means you can never say, I'm never going to sin again. Don't walk out of here today and say, oh, I'm not a slave to sin anymore. I'm not going to sin ever again. You will. That's why we confess our sins when we meet together. You will struggle with greed. You will struggle with lust. You will struggle with selfishness, just like I struggle with all those things. You cannot say, I'm never going to sin again. But you can say, I don't have to sin right now. Do you see the difference? You you can't say, I'm never going to sin again. But you can say, I don't have to sin right now in this instance. We are not slaves to sin any longer. We are new people in Christ. So when you walk out of here and that person annoys you and the words form in your mouth, you have a choice at that point. Will I say the hurtful thing or will I stay silent or even better, will I speak a word of grace? See, when you turn on that screen, you have a choice. Will I look at that unhelpful thing or will I look at that helpful thing or perhaps even better, turn it off? Do you see the point I'm making? You have a choice. You are not a slave. to. Don't say God made me that way. God made me angry, so I'm just going to be angry. God made me jealous. No, you have a choice. You are not a slave to sin. And with every choice we face, we need to remind ourselves, who am I? Am I that slave to sin I used to be? No, they're dead. I am that new person. I'm the one who is alive with Christ. Remember who you really are. That's the point. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we know that we are all guilty of sin and we continue to sin, even as children of Jesus. And for that we are sorry, but we are so thankful for the gift of righteousness we have through trusting in Christ. But Father, help us to understand ourselves as we really are. Help us to see that we have become a new person in Christ. And even while we struggle with sin every day, and even as we often fail, Father, help us to work at fighting that battle. And in particular, help us to remind ourselves and each other every day of who we are in Christ. But when we do fail, and Father, we will, we thank you again for your incredible grace that even in our failure, Jesus forgives us. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.